you'll go ahead and turn with me over to Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 47 is what we'll be reading. Uh, Gilbert uh, started quoting it at the end of his lesson. I was like, it's time for you to stop, Gilbert, because um, you're getting into a place that I'm going to be reading. So let's just stop right there. Um, but I like when it, when it overlaps like that. Amen. Um, but today I want to talk about the effects. The effects of the gospel message. Man, we've we've talked about how God cares for us, how He created everything. We talk about the we talked about the fall and how He ultimately provided. He, he promised uh, that He would give us a way out, that He would deliver us out, just like He did the children of Israel when they were in Egypt, and over and over again when they would go into captivity. And and we talked about how not only did He make the requirements of what we had to do to fulfill or get our forgiveness, but He also provided the sacrifice that was that was needed. Amen. Sweet. We've learned a lot about the gospel message. And I pray that you view it a little bit differently than you did when we first brought up the gospel message a few weeks ago. That you view it with a greater depth and a greater understanding. But you view it with a greater love and compassion and yeah. joy because you didn't, you maybe you realize more of the fullness of this gospel message. And once you realize that, once you establish that and understand that in your life and you really get it ingrained within you, then there should be effects... To that understanding, that acknowledgement, that experience that we have in knowing the fullness and the gospel message. Amen. So let's read here in Acts chapter 2, verse 40 through 47. It says, And with many other words he testified and strongly urged. And this is Peter talking, we understand. We call this the day of Pentecost. This is Peter talking here. He says, And with many other words he testified and strongly urged them, saying, Be saved from this corrupt generation. So those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Then fear came over everyone, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. That's where... Uh, Gilbert was speaking up in his lesson a little bit. It says, They sold their possessions and property and distributed the, the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Acts 2 Verse 40 through 47. So to start, I'm going to go in a little bit strange direction. By the end of it, you'll understand where we're, where we're coming from. I want to talk about trends to start out with, right? There's a lot of things that will come into fashion and out of fashion in our lifetime. Some of you were born during an age, and you went through bell bottoms and leather jackets and, and all this stuff, and, and that was popular. And then you, when there was tie-dye came around, and it continued to change. Maybe you went to pantsuits or, and, you know, just the, the nice blazer. And it, it was just the fashion would begin, begin to change. And, and trends, they, they will come and they will go. I didn't know it, but never had experience of it, but some of you used eight tracks. At some point in your life. Some of you may even use records. And what they call old Victrolas where you would have to, you know, yeah. I mean, now we do it because it's retro and it's fun. But then you, it was all the only option you had. You'd, you'd crank that thing up and it would spin that little record and everything. If you got it too hot, that thing would warp and melt. If you scratched it, it would just stick there forever and ever and ever and ever and it wouldn't stop. You had that. And then we, some, at some point we got eight tracks. That was popular for a minute. 
then eight tracks turned in, into cassettes, and you had to get the little uh, pencil out to rewind them and get them rotted whenever they got all messed up or whatnot. They got jammed in the cassette player, and you pulled it out, and it was just all over the place. And then there's CDs, and CDs get scratched, and it was the same thing as records because, you know, you couldn't play a scratch CD. You would get really close, and then you'd get to that good part of the song, and you'd be feeling yourself, and all of a second it hits that scratch, and it just stops, and you just can't sing anything then. And you just, you're just left wanting more to sing that song. Now we... In the day's age, we, we stream music, Apple Music or YouTube or Spotify or whatever people different use. We stream music. You know, things come and, and things go. Um, there's different dances. You know, some of you might have grown up on the waltz. I don't know. Then there was swing dancing. And, and then there was, you know, all kinds of weird stuff in the 80s and 90s. There's still weird stuff today. And, and it's just all kinds of weird different dances. I love going to weddings and they put on the Cupid Shuffle, all right? You just go to the left and the right and you dance around a little bit. And that's simple for me. I can do that when I can't do anything else. The waltz gets me confused. They try to take, teach me the two-step in Texas, and I was not doing very well at that. And, and But the, the cubit shuffle, you go to the left, you go to the right, and you kick your legs, and you turn around. That's pretty simple. I think most of us could do that. But trends, they come and, and they go. They get popular, and they're not so popular anymore. We talked a little bit about social media in, in Sunday school, and you know, there was MySpace. And then Facebook, and now there's TikTok and Twitter, one of the more popular platforms people use now, all over the place. And, and if you look back throughout all written history, there has been trends. Some trends had, had little significance. You know, the fashion didn't have much significance on the overall history of humanity. The music, you know, different periods had more of an influence, but, you know, not really. Then there were some things and some trends that, that really did have a significant impact. You know, we went through trends of where at certain times in history, um, monarchies was the, was the government of choice. And then it went into democracy. Democracy became the quote-unquote trendy thing. You know, America did it, and then other countries started doing it and began to spread. And so those things were significant trends that came about that really shifted the flow of, of society, of culture, of, of humanity. We see other technological advances that were, that were significant, you know. Uh, about 40 years ago, I think uh, 1983 is when the internet really got started, and and that, that's old for me. But some of you all that might just believe been coming out a couple of days ago. Um, but you know, it when it came along, a lot of people were like, "This ain't gonna last. This is just some kind of trendy fad thing that'll be gone away in a, in a couple of years, and we'll move on from it because who's gonna get away from paper and pencil and typewriters and those things? The internet, that's just crazy nonsense. But now, 40 years later, there's Fewer and fewer parts of our life each and every day that is not affected or influenced in some way by the Internet. You get paid. More often than not, it's going to go through your banking system. The bank doesn't have the money there. It goes through an Internet system. If you get on you know, anything you do, if you order something, a lot of us order it online. If you do your doctor's appointments, they keep your information on the Internet, on computers and things like that. So it was a trend that came but then had greater influence. In about the first century, Jesus Christ came and walked on this earth. In three years is what he really focused on ministry. Three, three and a half, something like that. They really focused on his ministry. And his ministry became a trendy thing while he was here. A lot of people began to follow it. This man, this message he was preaching, the ideals that he brought, the thoughts that he would discuss with other people, the, the way he challenged the, 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 the stasis of, of government, the stasis of religion, where everything was at, it really compelled a lot of people and it became trendy and they began to... To follow him. 
And then once he passed away, that trend even began to grow even more. More and more people followed him. The Roman Empire eventually, within a couple of centuries, was converted from paganism to it proclaimed that Christianity was the main religion of the whole entire empire. It went from a trendy thing to something that has had massive impact for the rest of society. And I'm sure that the religious leaders and the, gov- the, the political leaders and and other ones in the society of that day, especially around Israel and Jerusalem and all those things, probably thought, well, this is just a trend. It'll come. It'll go. The Jews thought if we kill Jesus, it'll all be done. This trend will be over. And they did, and it didn't. It didn't stop. And this trend continued. And it still continues today. And you can look throughout history, and whether you're a believer or not a believer, you can look throughout the written history of mankind from that point onward. And it... Any historian would recognize that Christianity, the birth and conception of it, if they believe in Christ as a divine figure or just as a teacher, it has had an an unimaginable impact on the flow and the course of humanity since that time. It was a trend that became something that has influenced about every part of our culture to today. One of our biggest holidays originated around the idea of Christ's birth. Easter originated around the idea of Christ's death. So we see these things, and the trend became so influential, so impactful, that it is still having an effect even in today's society. And since that message is true and still is around and is still being taught and preached, it has an effect. And that effect is that we become different. I want you to understand this about the early church. They were outlandishly different compared to the norm of society at that time. Paganism and pantheons of of gods and stuff was the norm. The children of Israel was monotheistic before Jesus came. But here this idea that they would follow this man that proclaimed to be God and that that, that was God and that he lived in this life, dead and resurrected, and follow him as the one God was strange, was peculiar. The way that the things that they did, the way they lived their life was out of this world, was totally different. In the scripture we read today, we see certain ways that they were different. So let's read it again, okay? I tried to color code this because I couldn't underline it because I underlined all of it, so you you can follow along. So we'll read it again. So they sold their possessions to property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. So there's a couple key things here. They sold their possessions and property. They had no concern or care for personal wealth or possessions. It didn't matter to them. That's strange. It's strange now. It was still strange then. They didn't care about that. That wasn't a big deal for them. And distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had need. They had a greater concern for the larger community than they did for their own for their own person, for their own personal needs and things. They cared about others. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. Their priorities, their life was centered around worship and fellowship. That was what was important to them. That was the thing that they centered every part of their life on because every day, every day, how many things do you do 
every day. You get up, hopefully. I mean, if you sleep in bed all day, that's fine too. I mean, I ain't going to judge you, but you probably get up every day. You at least go to the bathroom, okay? You go to the bathroom every day. Most of you, a lot of you probably drink your coffee every day. If you don't drink your coffee every day, you might not see the next day. Or your husband or spouse might not see the next day because you didn't have your coffee every day. There's not a lot of things, though, that we do every day. But here these people are. And this is what this is one of the defining factors of the change of the difference that the early church had was that every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. Every day their life was centered around this aspect of, of, of life, of, of society, of community, was meeting together, going to you know, worship, whatever you want to call it, study. You know, we don't know all that they did, but we know that it was centered around God, that they had fellowship together. And it says they ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude. They were joyful and humble. I mean, that might not sound too outlandish, but let's be honest. If we looked at the majority of the people that were around, those two characteristics are pretty different from what we see in people that we live with. No doubt what people were 2,000 years ago, okay? Praising God, and this one blows my mind, having favor with all, all the people. They were approachable and loved by members of every group and every portion of society. They found favor with them. They were approachable. They were looked at kindly, with high regard. Now, these are some different things, right? I mean, I know in my life. I don't meet all those. In my life, I, I, that's not me. If we're honest, we like to say it's our church, but it's not our church. It's probably not your family. I don't know very many communities in the United States that this can really be spoken about. Do you? I mean, I, I can't think of very many. Maybe the Mennonites. And, and the Amish people, but I don't know. I mean, they, they might get some of those, but but still, that's this is different. Different. And what the people of this time realized was that, hey, this 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 gospel message that we've heard, that we've received from maybe it's Paul or Peter or James or John or or different ones that taught Timothy and and would preach and share the gospel. This gospel message that we've heard, yes, it, it has an effect on my eternal destination. But it should also have an impact on how I live my daily life. Amen. We can't say that God, the gospel message is life changing is it does, if it doesn't change the way we live our life. Right. The definition of life changing means your life has changed. You know? People say, well, I got this new thing, this new thing off of Amazon, and it's life changing. No, it didn't change your life. You just don't have to cut the cucumbers with a knife now. You can just put it through that little processing machine. No, it didn't change your life. It just means that you can open the, open the door or you turn the lights on with just speaking to it. That didn't change your life. It's cool, but it's not life-changing. Life-changing means your life has been altered, affected, changed in a great way to where it's obvious that there has been an effect due to this thing coming into your life, right? Getting married is life-changing. Having a child is life-changing. Going through some awful you know, accident or a car wreck or things like that, those things are life-changing. And, and experiencing the gospel message should be and can be life-changing. Amen. But too easy, 
I feel like, you know. We see the early church, they viewed it as life-changing, but but does the modern church hold the gospel as life-changing? Do we, as our church, hold the gospel as life-changing? I think too easily, we think that we are two people. We are the, the physical parts of our life, our job, our you know, our relationships, our finances, our, our health might mix in there, possessions, there's that thing, and there's a spiritual aspect, and that those two things are independent upon each other. But if I asked you to look back on your life, and look at your physical parts of your life, you know, like I said, the job, the finances, health, relationships, those kind of things, looked at those, and to think of an event in one of those situations, I think all of us would recognize that when that event happened, it had an effect on the spiritual aspect of our life. If something good happened, we were filled with joy, we were filled with contentment, happiness, whatever, something bad happened, a lot of times it would bring us down. We would struggle. We would have a hard time getting through the day and day. They go together and vice versa. If something happens in the spiritual realm, it can have an impact on how you approach the physical part. But they are intertwined together. They are intertwined together. So for us as Christians to embrace the eternal significance that the gospel message has for our soul, this spirit part of us, but then to act like we can maintain just a, much of the status quo of our everyday life in the physical areas of it, goes against reality and ignores much of the truth that God, that Christ, when He walked up on this earth, tried to instruct of us. That they are together and that we can't say, I'm going to accept Christ in the spiritual, but not, not embrace the, the good news of the gospel in the physical. That the change must occur. So maybe you got saved. And you stopped drinking and stopped doing drugs or you know, you stopped sleeping around, you you stopped living a, a sexually perverse lifestyle, you stopped doing things that were illegal, um, you stopped being violent, some of those things, things that we consider big, you know, society wise, and also in the church we do the same thing. And that's great, man. That, that is awesome. Because God wants to deliver you from those situations, from those aspects of life. But when you experience the good news of the gospel, did it have an effect on the way you view people? And the way you treat people? On what you prioritize? On, on what you spend your time doing? Did it, did it have an impact on, on your attitude? Your view of worldly possessions and, and what you want and what you think is important in your life. Because just as God wants to deliver us from those big things, He wants to have an impact, and the gospel message should have an impact on those other areas of our life, of our attitude, of, our, uh, of how we treat people, of how we view the world around us, how we view what's important. The gospel message should make us different in those areas as well. I feel like too many times... In churches, as Christians, we think, well, we get saved and we get rid of the big things. We overcome the big things. We figure those things out and that that's all that we need to do, that everything else can kind of stay the same. Then I get saved and I need to stop doing drugs or I need to stop doing this or I need to be faithful in my marriage. If I do those things, then I'm a good Christian. But really, the gospel message should have an impact on all areas of our life. Every aspect of our life should be affected and influenced by the gospel message. <coughs> but we sometimes focus on the on the big things. Um, as a kid, I don't know if y'all did this, um, but in coloring books, or sometimes they'd hand them out, I guess, in school, 
they'd give you a, a handout, you'd have a sheet that would have two very similar pictures of the same person. Maybe it was a picture of a house, or maybe it was a picture of, you know, some person uh, that, that's in the book, and it would say, circle or find the differences. Now, for the kids, it was pretty obvious usually. Usually the hat was missing, or, or they had a different colored shirt on, but then you can go do, you know, do things like this, and they do them for adults and stuff, and it's, it's harder to find the differences. Sometimes the differences are less significant. They're not as obvious. Sometimes it's just the, the hair is blowing a little bit to a different direction or, or there's something, a little button missing or something. It's harder to notice the differences, but it's still different. It's still different. And what we need to recognize as Christians is that when we experience the gospel message, this shouldn't just be the big things that change in our life, but it should be every aspect of our life that changes. Um, Micah Tyler is a... Uh, is a, a, a songwriter and, and a musician. And he, he writes a song, um, and it says, it's called Different. It says, I want to be different. I want to be changed. Where all of me is gone, and all that remains is a fire so bright the whole world can see that there's something different in me. And that line where, where all of me is gone, where all of me is gone. And we don't like to, to think, well, identity is a big thing in society anymore. And, and Satan has used it as a trap to, to convince young people and old people alike of, of identity issues and things like that and drag them down a bad path. And we, we really have strong feelings about our identity sometimes. But ultimately what we need to realize is that my identity isn't necessarily the most important thing, but that my identity in Christ is. His song goes on in one part. He, he says, Where they don't, when they see me, let them see you. When they see me going through life and my day-to-day, when they see me in church, when they see me lift up my hands to praise you, when they see me going through a difficult time, when they see me you know, going and driving and everything and getting cut off or something bad happens, when they see me, let them see you. Because I just want to be different. Different. And we should seek to be different from where we were to where we are now and from where we are now to where we will be next month and next year and ten years from now or however long we, we have on this life until we leave this world or until God comes back to take his children home. Every day we should seek to be different and be more like Christ where they see less of me and more of him. I've talked about this a time about how one of the most mind-blowing things for me about Christ is just, just how He connected with such a, a broad coalition of people, right? From all walks of life, He, he went for people, that, the Sumerians, and, and He went to the religious leaders, and He went to the poor, and He went to the, the rich, and he, he went to all number of people, through all groups of people, and He was accepted, and He was loved, and, and He was desired by all these people. And here we see in the early church, it says that praising God and having favor with all the people. With all the people. And there's something about putting aside your identity in favor of God's identity. 
that makes you easier to approach people, to connect with people. Because God is perfect in all His ways. All the ways that I'm fallible, all the ways that I mess up, all the ways that I am imperfect, all the ways that I make mistakes, all the things that are broken about me and and just destructive about me, those things are bad. They're going to push people away and they're going to make it hard to reach people. But when I'm different from who I was and I embrace who God is and let Him shine through, and that can mean compelling. And that can reach people. And that is what will help us to preach. And you, I know what you're thinking. I'm not a preacher. I get that. I get that. I'm not saying that. But you read, understand this scripture. In the second chapter of Acts, we, we're introduced here in the second chapter to the disciples and other followers. And they've been waiting because in Acts chapter 1, I think it's verse 4 and 5, Jesus tells me, he says, you know, when I leave, wait. Don't leave. Don't leave just yet. Don't go do everything. I know I told you to go out into all the world. Put on the I, I, I told you I'll do that, but wait just a second. Wait there to experience the Holy Spirit. Because these people weren't saved. Jesus hadn't, you know, they hadn't went through that whole process yet. They hadn't experienced salvation, right? He said, wait. And I'll send something for you. I've got a surprise for you, basically. Okay? So it says that there came a day, the day of Pentecost, and that's where we pick it with Peter. At the end of what Peter's giving a sermon, Peter's is preaching. He is delivering to them and telling these people, the Jewish people, but people from all over society. It says there's people from Mesopotamia, from the Far East, from all over, right? That were here at this moment in Jerusalem. And he, he preached this message. And all the disciples preached this message. But what I recognize about this sermon is that the majority of it is Peter straight quoting Scripture from other, other parts of the Bible, doing exactly what Jesus did when he taught, using what the Bible said to help instruct the people on what they needed to hear. So I get you're not a preacher. But we all have a message to share. The gospel message. And you don't have to get behind the pulpit. And you don't have to thumb a Bible. And you don't have to get excited or worked up. And you don't have to be just a, a great depth of knowledge on the theology and everything to deliver and preach, in essence, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Dead, buried, resurrected. That because of my sins, our sins, your sins, the world's sins, Christ had to die. God sent His Son Christ to die and then was resurrected so that we could receive mercy. That's the gospel message. What we talked about six weeks ago was that that was the core idea of the gospel message was that because of our sins, Christ had to die and be resurrected so that we could receive mercy. We must deliver that message. And in the second chapter of Acts, Peter goes through, and more eloquently than he ever has spoken before, this man with anger issues, this man that has failed God time and time before, that does things, that, that this God just, no doubt, Jesus, while well, he just rolled his eyes, and like, Lord Peter, what in the world? I know you got good, but, but here we are again. Same place, same situation, going in the same circles, and here you are again. But here Peter stands up and imbued by the Holy Spirit that he's just experienced this experience of the gospel message. He had heard the gospel message, now he'd experienced the gospel message, and the first thing he does is, he shares the gospel message. He turns around after experiencing this moving of the Holy Spirit within him, turns around and says, let me tell you this message that has made an impact and an effect on me so that you can have an effect in your own life. And that is what God desires of us. Because I probably said it before and you probably heard it before, but ultimately if 
if there was no use for us on this earth, if God was just salvation, that He was going to appear to people individually on an individual basis whenever they're in a bad place or whenever they're ready to receive Him and talk to them personally, intimately, by Himself, in the dark of night, there would be no necessary, there would be no need for us. We could be saved and then He could take us home. Be like Enoch. You know, not experience the rest of the turmoil and trials that the world this world has to offer. But we are left here with a purpose and an intention to replicate what has been done within us. And once we experience the fullness of the gospel message within our life, what we've talked about in Genesis, about how God cares for us and, and how he, he promised it to, to send a deliverer and how He told the children of Israel that I will deliver you. I will. I gave you this promise. And then He shows them. He, he comes to them with His promises. And that he, he makes a way for us to have the sacrifice that we need. We, read, we see all these threads through and we understand the fullness of it. There should be an effect. Not just eternal when we get to heaven, but here in the life that we live. That our life the difference that is coming through within us has an effect on the people around us. That our lives preach a sermon. That our words give the message. That is the gospel message. The good news of Jesus Christ. And I'm not saying that every time that's easy. And I'm not saying that you know, you're going to find it enjoyable all the time. There's times that it's difficult. And there's struggles with it. But if we have truly been impacted and we have felt the effect of the, the moving of the Holy Spirit in our lives and we have, we have experienced the, the, the good news, the gospel message within our own lives, then it should be our desire to be different and then to replicate that same experience in other people's lives. To see that change occur within them. To see that experience happen in their life. To see the difference come about in their life. And that's how we, what we should be moved. That's the effect. That should be the effect in our own lives of the gospel message. And there's a lot of things that affect us. Trends, like we talked about at the beginning, they'll come into our lives, and they may affect us how we do things for a day. A new diet, may, a trendy diet may come around, and you might follow it for a couple of weeks, and then give up on it when the new one comes around. You... A new style of clothes may come and you might try it and you're like, I just don't like how this fits. And you go back to what you've worn for the past 30 years of your life, you know. And you go back to the back of your closet and pull it out. I don't, I don't know. But, but don't let your relationship with Christ, the experience of the gospel message, just be a trendy, short-lived thing in your life that you get the eternal salvation. You, you've enjoyed that and you, you're glad for that. That there's no other effect. No life-changing effect. That you're just waiting to go to heaven. But let there be a life-changing effect in your life that has a life-changing effect in, in other people's lives. Amen. There should be an effect. Cause and effect. Because, know the gospel message, there should be an effect that happens in our lives. And that effect just isn't getting rid of the bad sins and coming to church and being happy in that way. You know, those are good things. That's what God desires for us. But that effect should also be life-changing in every area, in every part, in every aspect of your day-to-day lives. Amen. It should be that life-changing, that life-altering. That you look at yourself ten years from now, and you look at where you were before, and there's nothing the same. That you have left all that behind. Your bad attitude, 
your bad views of the people around you, the way the things that you prioritize, your greed, your, your desire to have great things, all those things should be pushed away in favor of the effect that the gospel message has on your life. Everything should change. Not to hold on to any part of it, but let it all be changed to what God wants it to be. Amen. That should be the effect. But I'm